0: Doctor.
1: Look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew.
0: Yeah, clear. Oh.
2: Hey everybody, it's Doctor Homebrew. Or didn't you know that?
1: <laughs>
2: we're here again.
1: <clears throat>
2: there you go. Push a button. Push a button. Push a the button. There we oh, go. You have you've survived
3: the Homebrew it's Con like shows. Only doing this show for a few times or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I was right. going to say something funny.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you were. <laughs> uh, this is Doctor Homebrew, everybody. If you're listening live, Bev is not here. She's in New Orleans. Damn, uh, doing whatever Beverly does. I don't know, is
3: there like a Twilight thing going on
2: there. Hmm, maybe who Collecting knows? Collecting beads. Yeah. Mm. Interview with a vampire. I think mm. is what it is. I got to get a sip of my water. I'm drinking a lot more water lately. I'm dr- trying to drink less beer. Water's good for you, I suppose. It's good for you. I mean, especially you know, I've been going out a little bit more recently, and the beer selection that these friggin' tap houses are garbage, man. It's bad. Yeah. I found one that had Pivo, and I'm like, well, that's cool. Yeah. Pivo is good beer. I'm fine with that, but Jiminy Christmas, I went to one... Uh, first of all, there's two things about this rant that's, that are just really weird. Mm. One, I went to this spot um, in Livermore. I'll just say it's in Livermore. It's in Brian's Hood. My mm-hmm. old... My old uh, my old neighborhood, and uh, it's a it's a, a self service tap bar. Really? Have you ever seen these, Brian? Scher?
3: I have seen that for wine. I have never seen that for beer.
2: It's. Well, I imagine it's the same concept. You get like a little RFID like bracelet, yep. and I'm like, bro, I'm not I'm not trying to wear a bracelet. I'm not going to wear a bracelet so I can drink beer. And he goes, well, you can just hold it. I'm like, okay, good. I, I just, <laughs> not that you know, I don't. I'm like against wearing bracelets, but it's it's a thing that. Multiple people have worn, and they also do food. So you have no idea how clean or dirty their hands are. What food right. or smeg is all like? So I'm you're not going to wrap it around your dick. Yeah, well, I did already. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. put it in like uh, chew it, like chewing home. tobacco, um, yeah. and
4: I'm the lucky next guy that got that. One. <laughs> yeah,
2: but it was it was it was very weird, and you know you could get little samples of stuff, and it was it was the, they had little interfaces on each tap. It was very. Confusing. The guy had to come out multiple times to show multiple people like how to how to do it. I'm like, I don't can I just what if I just gave you an extra dollar? Could you just pour me (laughs) But the selection they had was not good. They had all craft beer and then they had Golden Road. And I'm like, what are we what are we first of all, what are we doing here? Are we a craft beer bar? Are we not a craft beer bar? And it was I don't know, man. It was just weird. It was expensive. The Bay
3: Area loves nothing more than LA quote craft beer quote, <clears throat> for two man
2: for two beers it our beer and a cider was 20 bucks holy crap. so there's a good one of those yeah, places bad,
4: um, in Santa Cruz called poor and um, oh god the last time I went there uh, they had the orga the alt beer the actual freaking alt beer from Germany like the real deal and they had yeah like, Section a wide selection and then some wines and stuff, and uh, it's it's a lot better. I mean, the concept still, yeah. You spend a lot of money for what you get, but you get to try a lot of different things. So some people yeah. really like that, and and the self service thing is kind of a novelty, I guess. It, it's, it yeah. doesn't bother me to pour my own beer, but yeah, I'm not going to give a tip on
2: that. Yeah, well, and then, and then there's a line on the card for tip, which is probably <laughs> standard anyway. Mm, but I wonder yeah. how many people do. It. And I'm fine with it. Like, you know, walking away, I'm telling my friends like that. Just maybe it's just not my format. It's not for me. I don't really want to do it. I would rather talk to a bartender about it and tip the guy yeah. pouring me little samples of stuff. That would be cool. But, um, you know, I, whatever. It's fine. It's it's uh, at least, um, you know... At least I wasn't forced to drink hazy beers. I think you get the
3: tip money yourself because you got your own beer.
2: Yeah, well, it was just, it was very, um, I don't know, man, it was very weird and very overpriced for, like, you're doing the work. And I, I guess you're, you are paying for novelty, but I saw people coming back, like, to their tables with four inches of foam on their beers, yeah. and I'm like, well, this is what you get, right? Yeah. This is exactly what you get when you have people who don't know what they're doing pouring beers. Well,
4: A, yeah, don't know what they're doing, and B, like, stick their cup right up on the, yeah. on the faucet so the next person and you're, you're making out with them, basically. Yeah. Mean, uh, a real good, you know, um, a Cicerone knows how to pour a beer without it even contacting the faucet. Your beer doesn't touch the next person's beer glass. That's a dirty glass coming back sometimes. Or, yeah. I mean, technically that glass is out so you can change them, but usually people just keep their glass and
2: pour, pour, pour. Yeah, so which was what I would do.
3: Here's your million-dollar concept. I'm giving this away right now, by <laughs> the way. Okay, let's so, go. So you take, uh, imagine, I've been to places that have uh, sushi, Okay. And it's not like Sushi Boat where you pick one that comes around. It's like this fast... It's a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. But when something comes out, it like zip right, right to your table and you grab it. Nice. So you take like a 10-20 tw- tap system. You put it all solenoid-controlled raspberry pie. It'll pour a precise amount into each cup. Yeah. You can get a, a you know, taste of five-ounce pint, whatever. Perfectly poured. Perfectly yeah. poured. There's some machine on the far end that that spits clean glasses out on the conveyor belt. When someone orders one... It goes right to the right. Computer controlled, robotically, right to the right. Tap. You get the precise amount. It zips out to your table. You grab it and you drink it. That's <laughs> that's the model
2: that works. <laughs> I want four point <laughs> three
4: ounces of Pliny the Elder now, <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. not four point two. I want yeah. four point three. There no, it comes.
2: That. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, uh... but I prefer.
3: If I, I'm, I'm with you. I, something beer is a social beverage. There, craft beer is a complicated beverage. Sometimes. And sometimes you just want someone to tell you or talk to you about, well, what is this that I'm tasting? What is this that Mm -hmm. I'm drinking? And you don't want to have it be some sterile experience you could have at the liquor store just grabbing a few bottles of beer and taking them home to try. And
4: this is the whole reason we exist, to talk to you about your beer.
3: That's right. The entire reason. There's nothing else going on in our lives, Brian. This defines us. The other reason
4: is to make sure that everybody
2: knows uh, about how awesome Five Star is. That's correct. Go to Five Star Chemicals and learn about it for yourself, man. You don't take our word for it, even though that's what we're paid to do, uh, make you believe us. <laughs> Just, Just don't do it. Just go to FiveStarChemicals.com, talk to them at HomebrewCon, talk to them wherever they are, and uh, they're good people, they make a good product, and they will help you make better beer.
4: I tell my non-brewing friends about PBW, like, you oh, have a growler too. at home, get some PBW, brother. <laughs> like, it's yeah, some star sure. sand. Make sure that's that's just clean going back to the brewery, or it's just going to stale. You know, it's going to go bad after
3: two days, even in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I went to the five star booth at Homebrew Con, chatted with those folks for a little bit. Super nice. Yeah. And uh, you know, th- thank you, five star. Really was nice to meet you in person.
2: Awesome. Mm. Good job, boys. Uh, Homebrew Con was cool.
3: Yeah, man, it was awesome.
2: I thought it was right, really good.
3: It was good. a Neat little, neat little
4: town out there, and uh yeah, like a, kind of a small. Uh, you know, a small big city. Never yeah. been to Rhode Island before, but you know, Providence. It's a walkable place. You can walk. I walk from the hotel down to the where the river kind of opens up, and the boats and the windmills are out there, and just you know, saw a lot of East Coast looking at you know Cape Cod looking kind of houses along the way, and just oh yeah, really you know. But yeah, mostly we just went to the beer places. Beaverhead mm-hmm. Beer Hall was pretty a uh, nice highlight there. Um, they had a Trillium Top takeover there one night. Gross. It was crowded mm. as hell. Of
2: course, it was. Everyone's uh, drinking but, um, East Slurry, dude. I love it.
3: Yeah, club night as usual had some really creative beers somewhere great and somewhere um, shall we just say creative. Uh, but it's always fun to see people bring what they are really proud of. And you know, Rhode Island was was super fun. You know, for a state that's like. 20 by 20 miles and neither a road nor an island exactly (laughs) exactly they have an amazing array of regional food right Mm -hmm. they have we had this stuff called these things called johnny cakes Mm -hmm. and they're like pancakes but they're thinner but they're thicker than crepes so they're made out of cornmeal, and they have kind of a crusty edge and they're savory but you still put syrup on them they were really good um and we had like the hot wieners uh, the, I love how everything is a blank New York system hot wiener. The, old, yeah. the we we had Onlyville New York system hot wieners. I think didn't we do that at different times, Brian? Yeah, like and I think you system and Corber had gone like. Right before we did, or right after we did, or something. Right by the BN party, yeah. Right, right by hmm. the BN party. Okay. So these, these wieners are like, do you want to describe these, or should I?
2: Go no, ahead. Well, we actually, we've talked about them before. We talked about it on the okay. session. So uh, All right, we're so
3: familiar no, no point in discussing them. Yeah. They were really good. That's right, good. But I, I had coffee milk with my hot wiener, and right,
2: it was right. damn good. Nice. I really enjoyed good food that. There, yeah. That sounds good. Original stuff.
3: Had an awful, awful. Oh yeah. Awful big and awful good. It's a malt made with ice milk. It's a trademark of some particular ice cream store chain. And it was awful big and awful good. I really
1: like it. That sounds good. The lobster rolls.
2: Speaking of, of lobster roll. uh, awful big and uh, awful uh, loud I don't know whatever. Uh, we have Jay on the line and we're going to be speaking with Jay about his Irish Extra Stout. Jay, are you there? I'm here. How you doing? Good, man. How are you?
5: Just fine.
2: Hanging in there? We're starting Hanging with the, it. It's a Wednesday, bro. Big dark beard. We're here almost so. done. We're almost out of this week, man. And under
5: the stars. There you go. Kinda
2: nice, nice man. Good deal. Nice work. So this is an, an Irish extra stout. I wasn't aware that that was a thing. It is a thing. What What's an Irish extra stout? Anybody it's, want to tell me about it?
4: Uh, it's a fuller-bodied black beer with pronounced roasted flavor,
3: often <laughs> <laughs> similar to coffee
4: Great. and dark chocolate. Listen, it's, not, it's,
3: complexity. Not Guinness, it's not getting draft. So this, this yeah. is the big but distinction, it right? It so, has a
4: range. It can get. It can be fairly uh, bittersweet to bitter, and uh, some there's some more balanced versions going to have a little more malty richness, uh, but the bitter versions are going to be quite dry. And we'll talk about which kind of version of it this one is when we get yeah. to it
3: here. Yeah. All right. But
4: uh,
2: and well, what I love J- about
3: this style is like. One of the examples is Sheaf Stout.
2: Oh yeah, I gotta have a Sheaf Stout I used to
3: love, back in the early days of the 90s, when I started getting excited about craft beer, I could get Sheaf and Chingu, uh, which is like a Brazilian beer, uh, from the Safeway. And man, I used to drink that stuff all the time. It was so exotic and different, so different from anything else you'd get in the U.S. Yeah. I absolutely loved it.
2: Nice. Jay, have you done this style before, or uh, is this new territory?
5: You know, I don't think so. I was, to be honest, I was trying to brew a, a dry stout or your t- typical Guinness and yeah. ended up tasting, I think, a little bit more like the, like the extra stout. And I've certainly done uh, American stouts before and um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think this is new for me.
2: Okay. All Sometimes right. you just got to go where the beer is tasting. And you're like, okay, this is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what we're looking for.
5: If you guys help on that later, potentially. So.
2: Oh, of course, for or, sure. Where,
5: is it go- where it goes.
2: One hundred percent. Well, um, let's jump into it, Brian. You want to start us off, bud? Sure. Yeah.
4: All right. Um, cracked open. Had a nice, nice hiss. Uh, seemed like good carbonation in there. Uh, in the aroma, getting up, you know, pleasant coffee like mm-hmm. notes up front, with a hint of bitter chocolate. No obvious hops. Mm. Uh, there's a bit of roastiness in there, a little ashiness even. Um low esters, uh the sweetness is low and out of the way. There's no real vanilla like complexity or anything here. It's just roasts and more roasts and more chocolate and bitter uh kind of smells. Although you can't really smell bitter, you can you can smell uh bitter malts and, and expect it to be something that's gonna be better. <laughs> um just like you can't really smell sweetness. Anyway. Both of those are in my description of the aroma here, and I stand by that (laughs) statement. Uh, I'm not getting any DMS or diacetyl. It seems pretty clean. Um, But I think I would just like something a little more in the aroma to complement that that rich malt that's taking over. Um, Appearance-wise, it's a nice deep black. It's really a pretty beer, Uh, a thick and well-formed rich tan head. The clarity is difficult to discern, but it appears clear at the corners. You can almost see a little glow of red, Uh, but yeah, it's just jet black and and almost opaque. Uh, Flavor-wise, dark malts dominate here again with uh, this bitter roast coming in really strong. seems cleanly fermented and and very well attenuated. It's super dry in the finish. Um, I'm finding a medium bitterness in here but not really a hot bitterness these can have a kind of a medium to medium high hot bitterness but this is all just malt bitterness to me um definitely balance the malt again coffee and chocolate did i mention very very dry um <laughs> to me it, again it, I'm, I'm i'm wishing there were just a little more complexity in the the malt flavor there but it is um i would say here it's leaning towards that that bitter dark dry version of the style that, that i mentioned when when giving the overview uh and that's one interpretation of it for sure um getting some cocoa and a light ashiness lingering into the aftertaste um you know it's a pleasant beer it dries off the tongue but you still it goes on and on it's like you're you know breathing a little campfire there at the end but not not in a harsh way really it's not not smoky necessarily it's just boy that that roast is is prominent and intense to me yeah Um, i I get that for sure mouthfeel wise yeah it's medium bodied uh moderate carbonation in there I, i get a bit of astringency it's coming from the darkest roasted grains i'm sure the the huskiness in there and it's not very creamy i'd like just a little more creaminess uh there's no obvious warmth here going on um just kind of there and it doesn't need, need to have any warmth it doesn't need to be uh that huge it can go up you know 1052 to 1062 ish kind of range so it's not a super strong beer it's just intensely malty and uh and rich with that dark malt character so um You know, a little astringency can be expected, uh, although it would really be better to get that out of the way. Uh, Overall impression, it's a a pleasant drinking Irish extra stout. Apparently, you know, a cleanly brewed dark ale um, and and some good ingredients used here. What I just found mostly would benefit from a little more of the added uh, malt complexity. What I would call maybe the kind of middle malts to give it some of that, something kind of biscuity or something kind of, you know, a little more... Uh, in the middle, and give some kind of vanilla character and I think leaving a little more sweetness in the beer might do that. I just think it 's just a little too on the dry side for even you know <laughs> the extreme end of the style maybe it's it 's it 's really leaning towards that that side and adding a little more malt complexity would help it uh express itself just a little better but overall again it 's just a it 's a good example of the bitter dry interpretation of this style when you read through the guidelines it 's pretty much there uh so I gave it a thirty five I thought it was a pretty nice beer.
2: Excellent. Mr. Shar.
3: Great. I I differ a little bit with with Brian's opinion, but I think we kind of came down uh, with the same uh, recommendations in the end. Uh, I got a little more aroma than Brian did. I got uh, definitely some vanilla and some roast at kind of a medium to low level, low chocolate. Uh, No hop aroma and no esters. Frankly, I thought it was a little more complex than Brian did. Uh, I... The the, com- the combination of the chocolate, the coffee, the vanilla was all, I think, really interesting and, and really good. Uh, so I gave that 10 out of 12 for aroma. Appearance, three. Uh, color is extremely dark brown. Uh, I'm I very pedantic about color. Uh, not really a surprise to anyone who even knows me marginally that I would be pedantic about anything. Uh, so if you, if you kind of look at the edge, uh, you hold the glass up to the light, and you kind of look at the very edge of that ring... It's really dark brown. No beer is ever jet black, no matter what the style guidelines say. Although if you look at it in the, di- in the glass from a side distance, on. Yeah. side on, it's cer- certainly jet black. So it is, it's about as dark. Uh, there is none more black, as Spinal Tap would say. <laughs> it go. would be really difficult to have a beer more more black than this. Uh, it's as it's, it's close to the platonic ideal as you're going to get. Um, it's clear to the extent you can determine clarity kind of tilting the glass or looking at the edge. Heads medium and persistent, gave that 3 out of 3 for appearance. Uh, Flavor? Flavor's initially roast malt. Uh, There's some hot bitterness that comes up to balance that malt in mid-palate. There's a low coffee flavor, I think some chocolate. Uh, I don't get the vanilla in the flavor that I really get in the aroma. Uh, It's extremely well attenuated, uh, really well fermented. And that's one of the things I like about this beer Just from a personal standpoint, but kind of as Brian had said, it it is kind of missing some, and to skip ahead a little bit to mouthfeel, it's missing some body because it's attenuated so well. Uh, It's well-balanced, finish is short, balanced, and crisp, so I gave that a a 12 out of 20 for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel... uh, again, I probably should have distributed my points a little bit differently. I had my flavor be a 13 and my mouthfeel be a 4. Uh, but had my mouthfeel at a 5 out of 5. So medium body, medium carbonation, uh, slight warming, um, not really creamy. Uh, no, I didn't get the astringency myself. I Maybe I, I drink a lot of uh, stouts and porters and I just think of... Yeah, maybe I just drink enough that I, I gloss over some of the astringency from the dark malts, maybe more mm-hmm. than, than other folks. Um, but I, I gave that a pretty high score for for mouthfeel. Overall Overall impression was an 8 out of 10. Um, I This is something that you could, uh, I, I think, mistake for a commercial beer because of the attenuation. Right? Because so much homebrew is just yes. not well attenuated. You're right. And just the fermentation character of this is commercial fermentation.
2: Yeah, I think that even a, a sweet beer, can, not that this is a sweet beer, but sweet beers can have a, a crispness. And that crispness comes from that, the final gravity, the, the solid fermentation, the proper yeast yes. handling. Uh, yes. That's the, the biggest differentiator.
3: Exactly. pitch and, yeah, keep yeah. your yeast happy. And, like, so what Brian was talking about with the middle malts, I was kind of thinking, you know, I, I almost hate to give this advice because I love the attenuation so much. Uh, maybe a little less attenuation might put this a little more in the platonic ideal of the style I kind of think Brian's idea of maybe different, different, or additional middle malts might be a better one because the attenuation is just so much of a part of why this is. I think a really nice beer. Uh, I gave this a thirty-eight out of fifty, uh, and I would I would buy several rounds of this at the bar and be really happy about it. So well, well done, yeah. excellent,
4: thank you. And but going back to the mouthfeel too. First sentence of the mouthfeel section under fifteen C Irish Extra: medium full to full body with a somewhat creamy character. And you have told us, Brian Schar, that it is a <laughs> medium-bodied beer, as yeah. I declared it to be, yeah. uh, without any creaminess, which I also declared it to be. And so... You know, I I am at three on the mouthfeel. You're at five, I understand. You might have, you know, if you had redone your score sheet, you would, would have yeah, maybe adjusted I, I was adjusting
3: my score sheet a little <laughs> bit before the show, and I did not. Uh, and by a little bit before the show, I mean like about 30 seconds. He just and breezed I not, yeah. in
4: from Fresno and did a score sheet in like 10 seconds. I know. Seconds, huh? <laughs> I, I you know, I'm
3: always ha- hang on at the most exciting places. So I was always stay in Fresno and come back here to Concord. So. Yeah.
2: Well, Jay, what do you think about that?
5: Wow, that's that's really good to hear. Uh, lots of good advice there. Um, let's see here. I'm actually surprised to hear you say it, how dry you thought the beer was because I was I was really paranoid about the beer being dry enough because mm. the thing didn't atten- attenuate near as much as I thought it should have based on my reading. But maybe that was just me thinking it wasn't as dry because of what the hydrometer was telling me. But so, uh, what, what were
3: your OG and your FG?
5: My original Gravity was actually, like I said before, I was going for a dry stat. It was 1047, which is way too low oh, for this low style. End, yeah, I mean,
3: yeah.
5: But it finished out at 1016, which is, huh. according to the guidelines, it's actually too high for everything. So I, I was wow. kind of puzzled. I mean, I like the beer, <laughs> but I was trying to find a place for it, and I thought it tasted a little bit full and maybe not quite quite like a Guinness as far as dryness. So, yeah.
3: When When did you bottle this?
5: I
2: actually wrote that down. I think mm-hmm. I... Like in the I recent this past? On the, or... on the...
5: Let's see, the 10th?
2: Of, of this month? Of July?
5: July. Yeah. Yes. Wow.
2: July. Yeah, so it, there wouldn't it, be it bottle fermentation. No.
4: Yeah. Well, the FG on this beer can go up to like ten fourteen, but that's probably one of the stronger versions of it is going to do that. That's, yeah, well, that's really wild. It, it fooled us both. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that roasty character, I think it, it does need a
2: little... Goose a little bit,
4: yeah. I think that a that might bit. be part of what's making it feel more dry than it is. Is yeah. that that lingering ashiness and it just
3: sticks onto your tongue, and 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 the sweetness yeah. can't really compete with it. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting. Uh, I can speak English. It's an interesting example of something Jamil said mm-hmm. a long time ago on one of the many many years of quality content here on the Brewing Network. There we go. Uh, I wish I could kind of point you to where this was, but Jamil said at one time several years ago. That final gravity alone is not dispositive of how what the attenu- what the apparent attenuation feels like in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So something can have like a sure. high number and feel really well attenuated, or vice versa, because it's it's inherently subjective. Um, and I'm sure I'm butchering everything that he had, he had said. So Jimmy, yeah, if you're listening, I apologize. I've never heard that. Paraphrase. Never said it. Jim will probably call me tomorrow, and you know, I never said such a thing. But no, it's. Uh, the perception that both Brian and I had was this is pretty well-attenuated beer.
2: Yep. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay, wow. Uh, Jay, do you happen to have the uh, recipe in front of you that maybe you can uh... enlighten us? I do. Yeah. Cool. I'll
5: go ahead and start with the water.
2: Yeah, um, let's do that.
5: I just used my uh, house tap water and then uh, added some Camtid tablets to take out the chlorines and those kind of things. Um Mm-hmm. What kind of is tap water? Is,
3: is, you know, if that's well water, river water, uh, runoff. You know what kind? What your primary water source is for your municipality?
5: Um, it's, I believe, it's river, river water. It's definitely on the harder side. Okay. Which I was going to ask you about too, because I know stouts like Guinness traditionally have actually soft water, which is kind of kind of strange for stouts. But uh, but anyway, for the grain, I had uh, this is a five and a half gallon batch. 7.4 pounds of marisotter, 2.6 pounds of flaked barley, 1.4 pounds of roasted barley, and 0.36 pounds of chocolate malt. Uh, chocolate malt. Okay. And then for the hops, I had Styrian Goldings two additions, uh, one and three quarter ounces at 60 minutes, and at 30 minutes, I put in another half an ounce. And for the yeast, I used uh, Nottingham. It was a repitch from an earlier attempt at the same beer, which mm. turned out not quite as good, I think. See, I fermented at 66 degrees and brought it up a few degrees toward the end of the 12 days. Yeah, cool. and I kegged it, like I said, about 12 days after the after it started and just let it sit for another week or so at the room temperature. That's fast. Shielded it pretty quick.
2: Twelve days. Yeah. After after you pitched? Yeah. That's crazy.
3: Yeah. And you did a good job of of carbonation out of the keg because so many beers, and I'm guilty of this, I'm terrible at bottling out of my keg. Uh, So many bottled beers that you bottle out of the keg just end up being way too low carb. I think your carbonation was, to me, very appropriate. Okay.
5: What I try to do with that is just jack it up a little bit too high because so, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to lose some.
4: Yeah, there's too many I brewers to that just out okay. Yeah, just leave it at the keg. Okay, the keg is perfectly carbonated and then bottle from there. So yeah,
2: I've done that for years. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It'll be
4: fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Nottingham yeast is nice because it doesn't it doesn't leave a lot of uh, a lot of esters to get in the way of there. It just just ferments cleanly and gets it down pretty dry. It's, but yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, well done. Where where are you from?
5: I live in Indianapolis.
3: Oh, great. Are you in a Mm -hmm. homebrew club?
5: I am. I'm in the Foam Blowers of Indiana. Oh, nice. Teaches me a whole lot about good brewing. I've been arrested
3: <laughs> by those guys
4: before. i homebrew con. I'm the guy in. You know they're like not the, real cops,
1: right? The mad, uh mm-hmm. yeah, Did
4: you know that the mad scientist with the blue wig. <laughs> and I, I have some pictures somewhere of one some of those guys in their oh, really? in their dark suits, like twisting my arm around my back and taking me in <laughs> yeah.
2: for questioning. And then, there was oh, a cavity search yeah, involved. Yeah, deep cavity yeah. searches. <laughs> there was some cavity yeah. searches. <laughs> uh, sir, please put the beaker down. Uh, what do you mean? Are you more cops? You're not, you're mm. wearing sweatpants. What do you do? We're, it's okay, sir. Please,
3: <laughs> Yo, so speaking, of, actually, getting sir, back I'm to need actual... you to make out with me, do you think mm. they were taking advantage of me, those
2: yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, sir, I'm gonna need to run my fingers through your hair. <laughs> Get,
3: getting yeah, back to actual right. homebrew, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: nah,
4: they were fun guys for sure. <laughs> this is probably 10 years ago, mm.
3: nice. So, uh, you, you were talking about how uh, the hardness of your water for stouts and all, and I. <laughs> There's been so much written about Guinness water. I had that article, what, like a year or two ago about someone in-depth looking at the the river water of, of Ireland and where does Guinness really get their water. And all of that stuff I kind of take with a grain of salt because you never know what the brewery really does or really did historically to treat their water, right? So sure. traditionally, and, you know, Brian, I you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but... I, I like to brew stouts, and traditionally, when you're brewing a stout, you want your water to be a little harder. And you know, I tend to brew my my water at my home is on the soft side, so I will add some calcium carbonate or something like that to help get my water a little harder for for stout. So that that's to me, it sounds like it's perfect water for making this beer. Yeah, yeah, um, hardness or not, I yeah,
5: the,
4: the hard water is going to play off of the uh, the malts a little differently. Um, hardness versus softness aside, you definitely uh, want to have a little more alkaline water to brew with all that acidic malt to get it to balance right. And, I, you know, I think they're probably at a pH 8 or something on their water where our water, yeah. you know, here is pretty hard too in, in my area. And it's it's probably, it's great for brewing stouts with. So um, I don't brew that many of them, but, um, you know, like brewing an IPA and stuff is just, you know, you don't, you have too much, alkalinity and not enough acid in your moss to get it to come out quite right. But somehow the brewers here still do it, and we're, we're making a lot of good West Coast <laughs> things out here.
2: Uh, Jay, do you have any other questions for the boys before I kick you out of here? Do
5: you think this beer would do a little bit better if it were in the traditional Irish stout category, like the dry stout?
4: I think it's too bitter for that.
3: Yeah, I think there's yeah. too much flavor and also too much bitterness. Uh, I love regular Guinness Draft and regular Irish Dry Stout, but this is a bigger beer than that in terms of flavor.
5: Okay.
2: You all right with that? Uh, you, I did
5: have a question.
2: You're going to be okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going to
5: be okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're were, you were very quiet. I was like, oh, my God. Uh-oh. Someone fly out to Uh-oh. Indianapolis. We killed him. <laughs> <laughs> God, What's the question? <laughs> okay. man? Yeah.
5: Uh, the last question I had was more of a general question. My beers in the last few years have always ended up too roasty, so what I've done is I've simply cut the the roasted malts in half. For example, this recipe I got from the American Homebrewers Association website from a, a award winner, and I just took the roasted barley in the recipe and I cut it in half, and I thought it it turned out okay. Is that just generally something that is that a common thing for just a certain brew house to have too roasty of beer
4: well it's plenty roasty uh so yeah I if you would have used double the roasted malt in this i think it would have been a little too much um okay but it may come down to something like your um your sparging uh procedures and um you know what your what your P- mash ph is do you measure your ph
5: Occasionally, I do. I got yeah. lazy recently, but
4: <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, the the standard uh, advice is to you know, um, you know, cut off your last runnings before they get down to like ten oh eight, and you know, keep your pH below six and your gravity. You know, well, gravity already mentioned, but the temperature below one sixty eight. The other thing you can do is just. Do um, you know, a, a different kind of sparge altogether. Do a batch sparge instead of a fly sparge. Are you, are you doing fly sparge? Or? I actually
5: do brew in a bag. So, I, so brew in a bag. I okay. lift all the grains out, and then That's I'll give them you in a do. second <laughs> vessel.
2: No sparge. That's no, no sparge. No sparge, baby. Okay.
5: Yeah, and you know
3: what? Myself, I, I'm one that uh, I, I love brewing stouts. Uh, and I just my personal preference is as the years go by, I keep dropping my roast malt, and upping my chocolate malt. Mm -hmm. That pale chocolate, dude, is the best
2: addition for stouts you can ever make.
3: Yeah, I just, my old, the place where I first moved up to the Bay Area in 2001, the local homebrew store, Fermentation Frenzy, uh, Phil Montalbano, who owned that place, was like the first guy to get pale chocolate anywhere. Uh, and more beer bought that location. Gosh, probably ten years ago, and yeah. they kept that up. But yeah, yeah, pale chocolate, regular chocolate, you get that layering Quantum. of flavor, mm-hmm. uh, like Brian was talking about for layering your your flavors, and you get some of those different. It's not just a, then a, a one dimensional roast uh, or dark malt. You get several different kinds there, and that's that's just my personal preference. Sounds like it might be yours also. Yeah.
4: Yeah, try to f- find some good floor-malted Maris Otter as the base, too, because to, the, the base malt, I mean, I, I assume you're using a pretty good base malt because it's a good beer. And uh, But, yeah, a little Definitely. more of the complexity and the balancing come from just using that really nice uh, floor-malted, uh, like, crisp Maris Otter, that kind of thing, the Glen Eagle maltings. Sure. You know,
2: Yeah. Yep. All right, Jay. Well, we got to split, man. I appreciate you sending your beers in. Or your yeah, three thanks beers. You so uh-huh. much
5: for your feedback and your help and everything. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, man.
2: Yeah, appreciate have, it. Have a great one. All right. Cheers, All right. guys. See you, man. The roast.
5: Right.
2: Yeah, I like okay. that beer. That's pretty good, dude. That yeah, was good. Solid. Yeah. That's interesting, right. yeah. We're well. going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to be drinking, what are we drinking? We're drinking a cream ale, I think, right? Yeah. 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 ale. There we go. Made with real cream. Oh. Cremal. All right, everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew. We'll be, uh, you know, you know, you know, left the rest. front. You know the rest.
0: Now back to the examination.
2: Hey everybody. Thanks a lot for sticking around. We get Josh on the line here. I'm gonna drink his cream ale, and uh, I'm excited about that, dude, because cream ales are pretty darn good. And I and want there's no to cream know
3: in there's no cream in a cream ale, despite uh, what people might have thought. Despite you know, what when someone I was in said col- yesterday. Oh, yeah, when I was in college, and you used to get those Mickey's Big Mouths, Matt, I used to think there was somehow some cream in those, despite sure. the fact you couldn't taste it.
2: Well, that's a, I was a stupid. Th- that's a cocktail. Like the, it was like uh, milk cocktails or whatever. Yeah,
3: don't drink those.
2: Yeah, I never had them. Apparently, they get you really messed up. Josh, are you there? Nope. Hey, yes, what's, go- what's going on, dude?
0: Uh, not much, not much. JP, how about you?
2: Yeah, not too bad. You know, hanging out with a uh, couple of real fine gentlemen. You know what I'm trying to say. Where are they? There you go. There you go. Yeah. What he means is yeah. nerdy and, and uh, beer knowledgeable. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. Um, all right, Josh. Hey, man, you got a cream ale that you sent to us. I appreciate that very much. Have you ever done a cream ale before?
0: No, it's the first time again, man.
2: All right. <laughs> first time again. Man, I just you know, I just brew the one thing the whole time. Uh, right on. Well, yeah. cool. Hopefully we can you know help you out. Is there something that you aren't sure of about this recipe, or you want us to tell you if it is a cream ale or maybe it's out of style or anything you want out of this conversation
0: yeah yeah as far as like a style because i've got uh, the state fair coming up and to just make sure that i should be entering it in there because i think i might be a little bit out but um okay. but i don't know
2: okay i love it
3: uh, brian shaw you're up
2: first dude that's, that's my go. name
3: hey before I, I get to your beer josh real quick where are you from uh bridger montana Oh, nice. Are you in a homebrew club, or are you a lone wolf brewer?
0: No, part of a uh, homebrew club, uh, the Rimrock Brewers Guild. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yep. So, yeah, thanks
3: for sending this in to us. Um, uh-huh. Going th- through, starting off with the aroma. Uh, starts off with kind of some low, yeasty, bready notes. Uh, low, medium malt aroma. Uh, don't really get any corn or rice, which was—the the thing about cream ale, there's no cream in it, of course— but a lot of people think there's got to be like a ton of corn or a ton of rice in this to be a cream ale. And there doesn't have to be any corn or rice at all. You know, there was a time frame a few years ago when the whole thing about cream ale was get more corn in there. Um, and, you know, that's, you, you don't need it. And this beer doesn't have it. And it doesn't need to be there. So that's kind of, in a way, refreshing to not have a cream ale that's trying real hard to be a corn bomb. Uh, no hop aroma. Don't really get any off aromas. Gave this an 8 of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance, uh, there's a, a low haze uh, to it, which is uh, definitely not uh, to style. This is supposed to be a very clear uh, uh, very clear beer. Uh, head is medium-high with a long-lasting persistence. Uh, it's ivory in color. Color is a light gold. Uh, gave this 2 out of 3 because of the, the haze factor. Uh, Flavor, initially flavor was malt, kind of a classic base malt slash two-row character to it. Uh, Low-bready flavor. There's a hop bitterness to balance. Very low hop flavor, uh, kind of a spicy noble hop uh, is is what I get. Uh, No off flavors, no corn or rice like we talked about in the aroma. Uh, Finish is long, but very bready and malty. And I think kind of the, uh, to me, I kind of think of that breadiness with the haze is kind of associated with the yeast here. Uh, gave this eleven out of twenty for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel, uh, body is medium. Uh, carbonation is low, much less than expected for style. Uh, it's creamy. I think it's because it's you know it got kind of that medium medium body. No astringency, no warming. Uh, gave that a three out of five, primarily due to the the low carbonation. Uh, overall impression is a six out of ten. Uh, in terms of things I'll want to discuss later on, but, you know, kind of the obvious areas for improvement, uh, carbonation needs to be higher, and I'll be curious to find out later on after Brian's uh, score sheet how you package this. Um, this beer really needs to be crystal clear. So whether you gelatin fine or cold crash or filter or however you, you clear this beer, it really needs to be a lot lot clearer than this. Um, and that, that alone would probably get you like five, six, seven points higher just to have this be clear. It would probably also clear up some of that yeasty, bready kind of, of, of flavor uh, character. So overall, I mean, it's it's a decent beer. I gave this 30 out of 50, uh, which is a, a very good score. Uh, and, uh, well, in, in, I thought I, I, I've i enjoyed my sample. Uh, and there are, I think, a few easy things to do to fix that. Brian, what do you think? Um, well, I, I think appearance is only three points, so it's, it's not
4: going to drop. Just on the appearance alone, it's not going to drop at five points. But <laughs> well, it's
3: the things associated with. Yeah, the things associated <laughs> I mean, with yeah. 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 the yeah. Flavors the
4: flavors that come along yeah, with it. The, yeah, the flavor yeah, and the yeah, aroma. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I, I just wanted to joke with you a little bit there, yes Um. Jeez. <laughs> ah, so, yeah, and the aroma, it's a low malt again, kind of a low bready and yeasty thing going on. I agree there. Um, I got a light corn-like note in there. It, it wasn't heavy, but, um, you know, the esters are faint and kind of uh, out of the way, not very fruity, so that's nice. It's not usually a big fruity beer. Uh, no, you know, low hops with a hint of spicy and floral quality. Um Low DMS, nothing excessive there, and it can have a little bit for the style, and yeah, no no acid aldehyde or diacetyl. Uh, again, appearance wise, I agree. It's kind of this dark yellowed beer, dark yellow colored beer with a moderate haziness. That's cool these days, so um, you know, go with it.
5: <laughs>
4: right? Everything should be. Don't a worry hazy hazy about bike. what Char says. Uh, hazy Hefeweizen, yeah. Um, it's got a white colored head that stuck around. Actually, fairly well, uh, and even had some lacing on my first pour. Uh, we're kind of still working on the same bottle, so it's gone down even a little bit more, but um, you know, mostly finer bubbles there. Uh, I gave it a two out of three for appearance and just knocked it down a point for the haze. So um, In the flavor, it's, it's cleanly malty. Uh, very low corn-like character. Again, that's not critical. Um, some faint DMS and uh, the fruitiness again is low. It finishes kind of, yeah, I guess I could say semi, semi sweet, semi dry kind of territory. It's got a little sweetness to it, but it's not cloying at all. Uh, the beer seems cleanly fermented. Um, and I do get a touch of, uh, unlike, I don't know, Brian, I, I, we might taste corn differently, but I got a little corn like um, sweetness in the aftertaste, it's not absent um it's balanced to the malt there's low bitterness out of the way um seems like a pretty cleanly brewed low temperature ale Um not getting any, any diacetyl or acetaldehyde. and there's a little a faint spice in the hop that, that lingers in there too but it's not not really high at all it's just just kind of backgroundy balancing um i feel wise uh you know the the to me on this on this beer just didn't it didn't quite feel like it should I mean this should be a really refreshing crisp uh, uh, beer think of cream ale as as uh, you know lawnmower you know an ale version of Budweiser kind of lawnmower beer uh, that you can uh, drink mass quantities of and um, and, and you know pound, pound a few of them back not, this, not cut feels, off your foot with the lawnmower yeah.
3: blade while you're doing it so
4: it should be, you know, pretty light bodied. Uh, I'd say this is more towards kind of medium bodied, and it just feels a bit big to me. Um, and, and the carbonation is is medium low. Mm-hmm. Uh, should be quite a bit spritzier there. So that's two of the big driving factors, the, and that affects everything else too. You know, just the appearance, the haziness affects everything. If there's something in the in the haze that gives it flavor. The the mouthfeel affects everything. It's just that that um, the gas in the beer is gone. It doesn't have that crisp carbonic bite uh, to just dry it off your tongue and make you want another sip. Um, so that that's kind of odd for this this beer. There's no obvious warmth. There's not. It's not astringent. It's not biting or harsh at all. Yeah. You know. It's kind of a nice. It seems like the the base beer is nice, but it's just a little lifeless because of what's going on there and kind of flabby. I guess you could say, because it's just kind of sits on the tongue and doesn't dry off your tongue like it should and, and give you that refreshing note. So, um, yeah, you know, pretty nice cream ale overall. Uh, many of the desired elements and um, actually fairly good balance. I think the recipe itself is not too bad. It's just these finishing touches, uh, clarifying, um, drying out the finish a little bit more and making it that refreshing and thirst-quenching lawnmower beer that you want it to be. Uh, you know, so just a pushing up the carbonation will do a lot for you um really make the beer pop uh, and if you clarify it, that's going to get some of those those flavor components out too and get some things out of the way um but yeah definitely work on that mouthfeel here and and the, the appearance um recipe seems pretty good you can increase the corn a little bit um but yeah i give it a 32 i thought it was a it was a very good beer very drinkable and um you know for entering it in competition, yeah. How's he going to do? What do you think? If if you have it in a keg, there's some things you can do. Um, are these all bottled?
0: No, I have I have keg too. Oh, okay, then, but I did do I did do bottling because I did uh, the um, the natural carbonation. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, with them the so. all,
2: so right, well, you, so you can goose the well, the carbonation in the keg and see yeah. what that's about, and bottle some off of that.
4: Bottle the carbonation, put some right. on, some biofine or something in there to clarify it, maybe
2: or. You know. When's the uh the deadline? Uh the thirtieth. Yeah.
0: So uh next or yeah, next week.
2: Yeah, very yeah, sure
4: if we have enough time to do anything like gelatin yeah. or, you know, transfer keg to keg from after that.
3: But
5: yeah, I mean, you, you can, can do it.
3: you can well, do gelatin in uh overnight. Okay. So yeah. gelatin. Okay. I, I, tr- I mean, maybe I can chat just very briefly about this. Uh, maybe Dw- Dwight in my old, my home <laughs> <Maybe>. group club <laughs> works <laughs> of wisdom. Uh, Dwight was like the king of gelatin flattening and taught us all how to do this. And at least the, the Dwight method is you get like the yeah. Uh, you get a cup of you know filtered pure water that you know is not contaminated. It's not your tap, but something that you've boiled and let sit. You add a okay. packet of gelatin and you gradually heat it up in the microwave pretty slow so you don't make the thing into this solid mess. You might put it on like 10 and heat it for 10 minutes Uh, and just kind of check it every minute or so and just make sure it's not just gotten denatured or just become this big jelly mess. The point of heating that up is when you pour that into your keg or your fermenter or whatever that is, it sits on the top because hot things will stratify toward the top and cold things stratify toward the bottom. So when that layer sits on the top, and it's in your temperature-controlled kegerator, fermentation fridge, whatever, it gradually cools off at the same temp as the the beer. And then it's it it, Exactly. So then, then the gelatin becomes heavier. So as a big kind of pancake, it slides down your keg or your fermenter or what have you. And as it slides down... Uh, It lets the beer through, but it kind of pushes the polyphenols and the yeast and what have you down to the bottom. And sure, later on, I mean, you'll want to maybe cut your dip tube if you're doing this out of your keg uh, or have a one that has a slightly higher dip tube in the first place. But it's always done, when I've Hmm. used this method, a really good job. It it, it takes overnight, right? You do this at bedtime, and when you wake up in the morning, that gelatin, you've got pretty clear beer.
4: Well, give it a shot. I think that's that's worth trying. I haven't done I haven't really done much gelatin finding myself, so I always thought it took a little longer than that. But that's that's cool, actually. Yeah.
0: So I did do it in my keg with gelatin findings, and I got the stuff from uh, LD Carlson. You know, that comes in a little uh, bottle, yeah. and it says uh, that you actually need to soak it in cold water for an hour, and then add boiling water to dissolve. But I'm very impatient, <laughs> so I don't let it soak you know in the cold water and i just kind of do what you say i've I've got ro water put it in the microwave boil it you know or you know get it up to boiling a couple minutes whatever and then i just feed you know what what it says to to add for the ratio don't um, add it to the boiling water and rack on top
3: don't, if you add it to the boiling water, you'll denature it, and you've, you've killed the you've killed the gelatin uh, uh, enzymes or the... I'm not... A, you, you've killed oh. what's in the gelatin that makes it work. Mm, so that's yeah. the problem. Okay. Um, and the thing... I, I don't know. I use just the plain Knox gelatin from the grocery store, the unflavored. Of course, you don't want to get, like, the vanilla or peach or whatever <laughs> I mean, that weird stuff is. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe if you're making a Berliner Weiss, maybe you want to. But... Uh, you, you just get the plain old unflavored gelatin, can you, and you use that. It's can, in a
2: packet. Of can powder. you fine with Jello? Wouldn't that be kind of a trick <laughs> to do, like cherry yeah, Jello, really? just to see yeah. what would happen? I would be very curious because it would no form doubt. at the bottom. Would it clear anything out, and would it have an impact on your uh, on your beer a little bit? I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah.
3: Damn girl, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that next year All for right. HomebrewCon. Let's do some Jello Jello find uh, beers. What do you say, Brian? And
2: then, <laughs> well, you, yeah. then you can eat the Jello afterwards. Yeah, some cherry Jello, Jell-O meat <laughs> or something.
3: We can we can do yeasty Jello All shots. Beef?
2: Yeah, hazy Jello.
3: Yeah, <laughs> this is totally what we're doing oh, for HomebrewCon next good. year.
2: Do, do we
4: want to listen to his recipe here a little bit? Yes, what we do. got going on?
0: Yep. Yep. So um, you guys should have that in front of you because I sent that over too. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'll just, I'll just let you know. Um, so I'll round the numbers up so we don't have to do point percentages. So Thank you. 57% uh, two-row, 20% corn, uh, 10% Vienna, um, 7, I'm going to have to do it, 7.5% of Munich malt, and then 6% of uh, caramel or crystal malt, uh, 10 level bond. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And then I uh, boiled Hallertower, I guess that's how you say it, probably not, Uh, for 60 minutes. And then in the Whirlpool, or two ounces, sorry, two ounces of Hallertower for 60 minutes. And then in the Whirlpool at 180 degrees, I did two ounces of Hallertower and one ounce of Citra. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, yeah, and then I dropped it down and fermented about 64. Um, I mashed in at 152. So I don't know if I should mash lower to dry this out, uh, or get lighter body. What did it finish at? And, uh, ten eleven.
4: Okay, that's pretty good. Um, maybe yeah, maybe started out at ten fifty two. What's what's your, the point of having that that light crystal malt in there? Yeah, I mean that I think some uh, of the body might be I, coming. I don't from know. There. I
0: just pulled the I just pulled the recipe off okay. of um, off of BeerSmith so the community or something like that. Yeah. So. Should I not have that in there?
4: Um, I don't think it would hurt you to pull that that out and see if it, what difference it okay. makes. But um, and then yeah.
0: maybe push it because I was at the top of you know I was at five point four yeah. is what it finished at for for ABV. So maybe if I just pull that completely, it shouldn't hurt me that much um, as ABB, if anything, it'll drop it a little bit, maybe get it closer into that middle range, I guess, instead of at the top. Yeah.
4: Huh? I mean, you can mash at one 149 and, and dry it out a little bit more too, and, and do a little bigger yeast okay. pitch, oxygenate a little better maybe at the beginning and just give that okay. yeast the best chance you can to go and go and go.
0: Yep. Okay. And also another thing too, is I think the haze is chill haze, um, okay. because I, uh, I cold crashed this, uh, from 68, cause I let it rise a little bit. So I did 64, uh, for when I see, let me see my notes. Hold on. Um, 64. Um, and then for 10 days, I said I did warm it up to 68, but then I cold crashed the next day to 40 and it only took me six hours to crash mm-hmm. 12 gallon, no eight and a half gallons to 40 degrees. So I don't know yeah. if that was too fast. Do you think that was too fast of crashing it?
2: I mean, maybe how how fast can you really go? What, what's the average of that? You know, a, a degree an hour or less. I mean, I don't know. Yeah,
3: what
0: did Josh? I'm sorry. What yeast? Yeah, was, what yeast again did you use? Oh, I used um, I used let me flip back here uh, the cream cream ale yeast White Labs uh, wlp Alato.
3: Okay, I'm not familiar. Okay. I've never brewed with that one, but you would think that's the perfect one to use for a cream ale. And so you didn't.
0: Put, you would think. <laughs> yeah.
4: You didn't put any sugars or anything in your in your boil.
0: I did not. Okay. No. And that would probably dry it out a That's little. Trick. Yeah. Throw
4: some glucose in there. Just try to get it up to get the yeah. sugar content up a little bit, so it dries out a little okay. better. That's going to help you. Did
0: you guys taste the citra at all? I, oddly, I not really. No. Lemon in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I'm pretty proud of myself that I nailed the noble hop in this, but I I didn't get the citra myself. Yeah, I made a weird
4: face here when you said citra. I'm just like.
3: I yeah, I, I was citra. <laughs> kind of wine. thinking one out of two ain't bad.
2: Yeah, I mean there, there's a limit quality, but it would be hard. I wouldn't have known that it's uh, from the Hobbs. Huh?
0: Okay.
3: Yeah, even having heard not Citra, sure. I just had a sip, and I'm, I'm not getting the Citra. Hmm. How, well, how all, old? Okay. How old was the Citra? Do you know?
0: Uh, I think it's pretty old, actually. So <laughs> yeah, that yeah. probably has something did, to did do it, with it. Did it come
3: out of a previously opened package? <laughs>
0: No, it was sealed. It was vacu- It was okay. vacuum sealed on those one ounce deals. Yeah. You know. Cool. So did you store it so. in your
3: fridge, or was it, was it stored out in your garage, <laughs> or something, or what?
0: Garage, man. Uh, of course. What are, <laughs> there, what are those things nice, a home brewers going to do? Yeah, that that yeah, may explain
3: yeah. why the Citro wasn't real prominent.
0: Okay. All right.
2: Hmm. Anything else, cool. Josh?
0: Um, I think that's about it, man. I think that okay. uh, the gelatin, yeah, lesson helped me out a bunch. I mean, yeah, yeah I'll out. definitely try and do that. Just uh, yeah. slowly raise the temperature, huh? Up to boiling, I guess.
3: Yeah, we're not not no, not too boiling. It needs to be warm. You know, like, like maybe one, 140, 140. If you boil it, you destroy the gelatin and its ability to do anything. Because it's kind of a, okay. cause I'm not a chemist, but kind of gelatin's like a big molecule. And what it does is when you when you pour it on, when it's warm, and you pour it on top of your beer. It's it's like a big mm. mat. Imagine like these molecules or long molecules, and they form like this big. If you blew it up like a ten thousand times magnification, it would look like a big mat or a sponge. Of fibers or sponge yeah. exactly. And kind of what what it, that does is the spaces in that matting let the liquid go through, but it pushes the polyphenols, which are big molecules. Uh, and the mm-hmm. yeast and the other stuff down to the bottom. Okay. that's when when Perfect. you boil it, you blow those fibers up. So there are not. You don't make a mat. You just have like a bunch of loose uh, fibers, bunch of loose bits, yeah. little bits at the dust at the top, yeah. and then it sinks to the bottom, and it doesn't do anything. It just sinks to the bottom with your other some of your you, yeast You and everything Break the else. connections.
1: Right. You break all okay. the
3: connections. Yeah. You've wrecked it. If anyone takes nothing away from Doctor Homebrew today than this, <laughs> it's, don't boil your gelatin before you try to gelatin. Fine.
2: That's true.
3: Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and probably pour it on top instead of racking it on top of it, because I've been exactly. racking on top.
3: Yeah, you know? if you rack on top, there's nothing. There's nowhere yeah. for it to go. I mean, it can, if it's warm, it may migrate to the top, but it also might yeah. cool off so much that it's not going to form that mat at the top of your beer. And by God, don't feed that beer to a vegan.
4: For yeah.
2: real. <laughs> or just <laughs> don't tell they them. Might, they might don't panic. panic. Sure. All right, Josh, we'll let you go, <laughs> right. man. I appreciate the, uh, the time, and... Uh... Thanks
0: for the beer. It was really
2: good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate your sharing stuff.
0: Yep. Yep, no problem, guys. You guys have a good night. Thank you. I do, you too. too.
2: Bye. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll just sort of wrap things up, and we'll get out of here. This is Dr. Mm -hmm. Homebrew. You know, we'll be back and stuff. Borrow? I don't know.
1: Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park.
2: The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-ceiling faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, Serve your kegged wine or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com.
1: I'm sorry to tell you this.
2: But we're gonna have to pour you out.
0: Back to Dr. Homebrew.
2: That's right, baby. Pour me out. Let's go. Anyway, here we are, Dr. Homebrew. We're going to wrap things up a little bit. We want to talk about homebrew con. I was not there, uh, but Brian and Brian were there, and they met some people, so they want to give a couple shout-outs here and there to everybody, yeah. and uh, that'd be nice.
4: Well, my yeah, my friends from the, the Mad Zymer just came on one of the shows, um, and uh, it was fun to have some buddies on there and just chat about beer with them. Uh, and then these guys from the uh, Miami Area Society of Homebrewers, the MASH Club down there, uh brought a bunch of beers we actually had three beers on if you're listening through on one show so boy we really had to keep things moving along Mm -hmm. and we 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 also got to interview the um the bells guys and uh then a nice booth there and uh definitely yeah listen back to those shows and um thanks to um to jay for coming on and filling in jp's shoes there but that's right baby mr mr justin the captain of the ship here, you, mm-hmm. he somehow intuitively figured out the shit we do mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> put it together. But yeah, thanks to everybody that was kind of hanging around the booth, and I poured some Pliny for people. We were just, people were just hanging out and having a good time, yep. so it was kind of cool to be there.
3: And it was so great, just people, a club night or anywhere at the convention would just come up and say hi. And it's, it's really, as as the newest of the Doctors' homebrew, it was really kind of gratifying and unexpected to have just total strangers from just all over this great land of ours, just come up and say hi, and just really fantastic people. Yeah. And really want to thank everyone for their support of the show. That's no, a good feeling for being for sure. so nice to to Brian and I while we were we were out there.
4: Awesome. Well, I hear your voice Wonderful. from across the room. was yeah, a very
2: distinctive mm. <laughs> Doctor Homer voice. So welcome, <laughs> welcome. You're a part of it now, man. It's true. <laughs> Can't get out of it. All right. Well, that was very lovely, gentlemen. I wish I had uh, some sort of you know people to thank, but I don't. Impart some wisdom to us. Um, I don't necessarily... Let's see if I have any wisdom. You said to drink Coors Light at the end of the night. Is that a wise thing to do? I would. Yeah, I mean, talking about the B&A party, I would definitely have been down (laughs) drinking Coors Light. (laughs) They ran out of the the good stuff. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'll drink Coors Light all day long. I like it. And I don't care who knows about it. Uh, Even though I complain a lot about not craft beer, but at least Coors Light knows what it is. It's fine with it. Not pretentious. It doesn't have to sell itself as something else to make any money. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Anyway, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. This has been Doctor Homebrew, and you've been great. Good night.